Hey everybody, thank you for listening to the Small Town Podcast. Connor here. If you find this episode valuable, be sure to share it with your friends and leave a review on iTunes or wherever else you're listening. Also, I invite you to check us out on Patreon if you're interested in helping to support this podcast. You can find a link to that in the description of this episode. All right, enjoy the conversation. You don't get fruit in the winter. And so to get an orange for Christmas was like, we get fruit in the middle of December. Wow. This is amazing. So the last person that was in the studio with me, um, Father Matthew mm-hmm. from the Orthodox Church, I was telling you about that conversation. Mm-hmm. He uh, suggested... Uh, after the, after our recording was done that I read some Wendell Berry and I never read him before. Have you read Wendell Berry? Only because Mr. Julian, my husband's father is a Wendell Berry freak and he has it at the cabin. Well, so, after reading these quotes, really, that makes sense. But, yeah. Cause I'd never read him before. Yeah. Um, but it just so happened that what I read had to do with what I wanted to talk with you about. So okay. I thought I would start by Great. reading this. I don't know what book this is from. Um, this is just a quote that I found on the internet. It says it's by Wendell Berry, so we'll see. Um, only by restoring the broken connections can we be healed. Connection is health. And what our society does its best to disguise from us is how ordinary, how commonly attainable health is. We lose our health and create profitable diseases and dependencies by failing to see the direct connections between living and eating eating and working, working and loving. In gardening, for instance, one works with the body to feed the body. The work, if it is knowledgeable, makes for excellent food, and it makes one hungry. The work thus makes eating both nourishing and joyful, not consumptive, and keeps the eater from getting fat and weak. This is health, wholeness, a source of delight. And such a solution, unlike the typical industrial solution, does not cause problems. So when Angela was in here, um, have you listened to that one yet? Not Mm -hmm. to put you on the spot. Yeah, I did. But um, I brought up the pepper that you had grown in your garden. Yes. And you gave to me for an omelet. And uh, out of all of the omelets that I've had, that's the one that I remember I'm so and glad. It's just a, a, an ordinary, simple thing, but this is talking about connections between people, and uh, I don't know when I, when I've been thinking about people that I want to have conversations with on this podcast. You keep coming to mind because you're doing this really simple thing, which is growing a garden, mm-hmm. uh, and it's it's not fancy. It's not a big garden but it's special and it is blessing the people around you and the peppers are great. (laughs) Yay. (laughs) So I wanted to talk with you about it and kind of, kind of pick your brain on it a little bit. Sure. So anyway, there's our opening. That sounds great. I was so happy when I heard that shout out in that podcast. I was like, Oh, I didn't realize that that omelet was so special to you (laughs) because of that pepper. Well, I remember giving it to you. I mean, how much of our food do we have a connection with the person who actually made the food? 
Like Not when much. we when we buy chicken, we buy it already pre-plucked uh-huh. and oftentimes even pre-cooked. Yep. And we don't even think about the fact that it's a dead animal. Yeah. Uh, and then with vegetables, it's the same thing. Um, so anyway, it was, it was, I don't know, it was neat. It was special to be handed a vegetable from somebody who made it and said, here, you can eat this. I don't know. It's just kind of a cool gift. Um, my brother has started doing this, this kind of quirky thing where he gives plants to people yes. for birthdays. And uh, it's kind of the same thing. Yeah. It's like everybody's got a, you know, a little plant off to the side on right. a windowsill. But to have one that was given as a birthday gift, I don't know, it just makes it special. Yeah, so, it is. Um, I actually think I have one that he gave to you guys. I think he gave, to, gave it to Angela. And Angela... It ended up with you guys? Yeah, she said, you take it. Because I don't want to kill it. Because plants are scary. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I have one of yeah. Cameron's plants. And I love it. It's on my counter. In well, maybe kitchen. that'll be something else we can talk about, like plant tips for people without a green thumb. Because sure. that's Angela and I. Yeah. We were we were dependent on you when we were living with you guys to keep all our plants alive. <laughs> all like two of them. Yeah. <laughs> I've got a little tiny mint plant that uh, owes its existence it. to you. <laughs> well, I'm keeping it alive, but yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay, so you've got your garden. Yes. Um, the Williamson family farm has not always had a garden. Not in recent. Right. Memory. Not in these terms, I guess. Yeah. yeah. So, first of all, how did this get started? Well, I grew up watching my mom garden. I come from a family of gardeners. My mom, like I said, she had a garden in the backyard. We lived on an acre, and it was very meager, small garden. It wasn't enough to... I mean, she still had to buy groceries and stuff, so it wasn't enough to sustain us throughout the year. But it was just kind of a hobby that she did, that she enjoyed. And then my grandmother had a flower garden, a beautiful flower garden. I don't know if she actually did vegetables, but I know that my uncle did a vegetable garden for years, and I think probably my grandfather did too. So anyways, and then my great-grandmother was a flower gardener. So anyways, it all comes down the line. So you were doomed to be a gardener. I know. If I wasn't, I don't know. The world would have imploded, you I guess. You would have been shunned. Yeah, I would have. <laughs> so that's where I come from, and that's luckily just something I grew up wanting to do, and I didn't feel pressure to do. Yeah, It was just something that seeing mom do it and seeing my grandmother do it. Is your sister into gardening? Not really. Okay. Nope. Okay. But um, I am, and I love it. And I'm totally, I'm a total garden noob. That's just a, that's like a, what do you say, at the beginning of something like a warning? What am I trying to say? Disclaimer? A disclaimer. That's a disclaimer to this whole conversation is I'm a, in in the scheme of gardening masters, I'm a noob, but I know what I like, You're on and your I know way. some things. Yeah, I'm definitely on my way. It's so. in your it's in your genes. Yeah, it is. The uh, being a garden master is inside oh, somewhere. I, hope so. I would um, love to be a garden master. So this was something else that I thought about when I was thinking about this quote with with broken connections and how at the center of connections between people is is food. Mm -hmm. Um, and I thought about you and your family, uh, 
because that is kind of a, there's a common bond there between you and other people in your family. Um, just in the fact that you're all, you have, you have this common hobby. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure that you and your mom talk about different gardening things and stuff like oh, yeah. that. So all the time. yeah. Um, is that, has that been one of the reasons why you've wanted to get into it or has it just been sort of a natural byproduct, Probably I guess? Probably both. I haven't really thought about it. I just... I mean, people kind of end up doing what their parents did. Yeah. In a lot of cases. Yeah. I haven't, Yeah, I haven't really thought about it, but I would think it would be both, a little bit of both. Mm-hmm. It's just... And, I, and the reason I say that is because I don't know if I would have been so into it having never grown up around it. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. when I am in the garden, it's so pleasing to me in a way that I think it's more than just a hobby passed down. Does that make sense? It's more than a hobby. It's more than a hobby. Okay. It's just something that I love to do and something that I want to pursue for the rest of my life. Yeah. More than just, well, my parents did it. It looks fun. It's passed down. It's more than that. It is more than that. Okay. So is it it on the same level as painting? Um, well, painting for me right now has kind of come to a, a standstill. A plateau. A plateau. That's a good word. It's a fancy word. I've kind of taken a, a sabbatical from painting. Nice. How about that word? That's nice. Quarter word. You owe me a quarter. Um, so I guess, I guess it's kind of replaced for the time being, it's replaced painting since okay. I'm not, I grew up, I, I, there was not a minute where I wasn't drawing right. or doodling. I would sit down, I would choose the movie I wanted to watch when I was little based on what I felt like drawing. So whatever movie I was watching, those were the characters I was drawing was like in the movie or nice. the cartoons. Did you have so, favorites, favorite movies? Oh, let me think. Ones you would go back to again? Atlantis and Sinbad. Which is okay. a Dream DreamWorks yeah, yeah. movie. They, weren't they made by the same people? Wasn't Atlantis also DreamWorks? Uh, I don't know. They both had that sort of 3D, 2D yeah, yeah, yeah. style. I really like that style, by the way. Treasure Planet's that way, too. I never watched Treasure Planet, but I've heard I only think you good would like things. It. I think yeah. you'd like it. So, anyways, yeah. <clears throat> Drawing and painting was something that I always did. My mind was always on it. But I got to the point after I went to college and majored in painting and drawing. I still love it. I still love it. But I got burnt out and it became... While in college or after college? Towards the end of my college career. Because painting and drawing was just becoming an assignment. And it Mm. was something that I just had to do. Um, And granted... Like I said, I still loved it. I still do love it. But I'm waiting for it to turn back into, I just can't go without doing it. So I'm just kind of taking a break. I've done it since like first grade, and it's been really nice to take a little break. And I still do side stuff um, that I enjoy. But That was my fear of majoring in music. Mm. Yeah, I didn't even realize that. I've wondered before if that was the right decision or not, but the reason why I didn't is because I didn't want it to overtake 
my enjoyment of music. Yeah. I didn't even think about I'll that never know if that was the right decision or not, well, but yeah. Oh well. I wonder if that's a common thing though in the art world. I don't know. Because for me I've always been doing it. Yeah. And I don't know if everybody has always been doing it. But I don't know. I know for for some people it's not. Some people go into grad school and they are head over heels in love with everything art and continue their life with it. That'd be hard to love it, love it, and then in grad school get burnt out. That'd Ooh, be even worse. That would be worse. But anyway, gardening. So all that to say, yeah. gardening is kind of like my placeholder. And it's not going to go away either. So like when I get mm-hmm. back into painting, I'm not going to just forget about gardening. It's going to, I'll probably incorporate both somehow. Well, gardening but isn't a year-long thing, right? It can be. Because you have indoor plants. Yeah. Well, if you have a greenhouse. Oh. Or, um, and I don't know a lot about greenhouses, but there's always stuff you can, there's always work you can do over the winter, like composting or preparing your beds for the next summer, or there are some winter crops you can do, Mm -hmm. um, indoor plants. You can make it year round, but my garden is not year round. So I will have a break in the winter. And this is your first year doing it? Mm-hmm. Having a garden? Yep. Okay. My first official year. I had, last year, I had tomatoes in a pot, but that was all. Okay. So. So, what what would you say you get out of gardening? Like, if it's more than a hobby. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, we started talking about the family connection thing, but I don't want to put words in your mouth. So, like, what if if someone were to ask? I guess I'm asking. Uh, <laughs> yeah. What what do you what do you get out of it that makes you enjoy it so much? Mm-hmm. Like, how would you describe it? Well, when I think of gardening, there's two types of gardening that is always on my mind, and that is flower gardening and vegetable gardening, vegetable slash fruit. Okay. Okay. So food gardening, I guess. Yeah. Um, And both of them have different meanings for me. So interesting. The vegetables and the fruit. It's just, I think about this a lot, a lot, but it's amazing to me, especially to think about it in this day and age when everything can be so provided for you. Yeah. And you can, like you said, you can just get a chicken from the store and you have no idea where it came from. Um, you can get apples year round. I mean, not, not too long ago, I think our grandparents would get citrus fruits for Christmas because you don't get fruit in the winter. And so to get an orange for Christmas was like, we get fruit in the middle of December. Wow. This is amazing. So that was, that I hadn't was thought about that one. sometimes the gifts So like in get. West Tennessee, would we even have had bananas? I guess no, no, or pineapple, yeah, mango. If it's not native, but I have a banana almost every day. Yeah, if it's not native, you probably wouldn't have it. Yeah, unless you traveled, I guess. But um, wow. Anyways, where was I going with vegetables and fruit? So you think of those as two completely different things? Yeah, flower garden and vegetable garden. Mm-hmm. Okay, but I think about them both. 
So it's not, I'm not just thinking about vegetable gardening or fruit, but I'm thinking when I say gardening, I think of flowers and vegetables, okay. even though they have different designations in my head. So we should talk about them individually? Mm, I don't know. Okay. Just ask me questions and the, I'll see okay, all right. <laughs> where it goes. So let's try it more specifically then. Okay. What do you get out of flower gardening? Okay. What is, what, what is the meaning for you there? Flowers. So in my Instagram. The Stan- Which is great, by the, the way. The Stanton Garden. <laughs> Follow me on Instagram. We'll put a link to that in yeah. the description. Um, my bio, I think, says flowers teach me how to praise God and vegetable vegetables show me God's provision, something like that. Okay. So flowers, there has been so many times when I have seen a beautiful flower and just cried hmm. for no, for, you know, what you would think would be no reason, but there is a reason. Mm-hmm. And that is because I think the flowers can say something about God and about praise that I just can't say. And to see a flower's beauty, like let's just take a flower for example. Um, this is great, by the way. This is why I good. wanted to have you on. Good. This is great. So daffodils. A lot of people love daffodils. A lot of people call them buttercups. So if that gives you a better idea of the flower I'm talking about, but okay. they're daffodils. The first, do you know what daffodils are? A little the bit. first yellow flowers that come up in the spring. You've got some of them around the farm. Around the farm. They're all kind of sprinkled. Yeah. That Macklin's great-grandmother planted. Grandmother? Great-grandmother? Anyways, so let's take daffodils. They put all of their energy into making this one bloom. And it is just so beautiful and 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 they put all their energy in their color and their shape and the little ruffles on the inside i'm kind of thinking about the classic yellow daffodil mm-hmm. the little ruffles on the inside and and the smell oh it smells so good but all of that all of their energy goes into this beautiful little bloom and for just a little time out of the year, maybe just a few, like two or three weeks, it blooms. It is saying, it is putting all of its energy and power into this beautiful bloom to praise God. Just two weeks out of the year. Depending on the flower. But yeah. It's a small, a small, a small portion window. Of the year. Yeah. And then they're gone. Yeah. And, but they did their purpose. They were beautiful and they smelled amazing. Huh. And they praised God doing it. And they didn't, you know, they don't have brains. They don't know that they're doing right, this. Right. But but at the same time, they do know that they're doing it. And that's why they're so beautiful and they and they put every bit of energy into making that bloom and making it good. I think Macklin would say sincere right now. Sincere, he? he would say sincere. He would put that word in. Yes. So, so flowers just say something that my words can't say, yeah. but my spirit is trying to say. Yeah, yeah. So I have this book called Martha's Flowers. You may have seen it sitting on my coffee table. She's got beautiful photography in there, and she has, gosh, she has like 
acres and acres and acres and different farms throughout the country that she owns. And she has like people to hire that she helps. Oh my gosh, but her gardens are so beautiful. I would love to go see them. But anyways, so she's got people who work for her to help her with these gardens. So in this book, she has this beautiful compilation of some of her favorites. And the photography in there is just fantastic. And sometimes I'll be looking at that book and flipping through it. And I'll just see, and and it's not even the same flower each time sometimes. I'll just like turn the page and it'll be this beautiful arrangement of mm, tulips. And I'll just be looking at it. I'll just start to cry and I'll just be like, oh, and then Macklin will usually be sitting there with me and he's like, what? And I'm like, they're just so beautiful. I can't, I can't say what I'm feeling. They're just beautiful and they're saying something that I can't say. So it resonates with my spirit. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what flower gardening does for me. And like I said, I I am such a noob on all of this. I have four rose bushes that I got last year. I haven't even like hardly fertilized them. I'm learning how to take care of them. I did my first prune and I pruned them back and I was so nervous that I was doing it wrong. But <clears throat> and also flowers to me, I just realize this too flowers to me mean represent time and memory Hmm. like there's a reason you bring flowers to funerals yeah and or people don't bring cucumbers to funerals no or plant flowers in memory of someone yeah in the in the um the oh what's it called where do you get buried? What's that called? A cemetery. Cemetery. In the cemetery where me and Macklin will be buried. We have visited, which is kind of cool. It's humbling to see the place where you'll be buried when you're dead. In your 20s. Yeah. You're visiting this place. Yeah. So it's been in his family. This is a, you know, generational cemetery. But there are daffodils planted on people's graves. Okay. And daffodils come up every year. You could plant a daffodil... I mean, you have to plant it in the right spot, and it has to obviously have the right weather conditions. But you can plant a daffodil and leave it and never come back to it, and it will grow every year. Come back, like, so many years after you're even dead. Aren't irises that way, too? Yes. Because they only bloom a short time of the year, and they're super hardy. Yep. We used to run over them with the lawnmower, and they would still come back. Still come back. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so flowers, especially flowers that are not annuals, yeah. annuals only bloom one year and then they die. Okay. Those are the ones you have to like save their seeds and then plant again. What would an example of that be? A sunflower. Oh, okay. So you right. get a sunflower yeah. seed and you plant it and then they don't come back. Roses come year. back? Roses come back. Okay. They're usually bushes. Mm-hmm. Um, there are some trees. They're called rose trees, I guess. Really? I've never um, heard of that. Yeah. Okay. But... So specifically the flowers that are perennials, which means they come back every year, those have huge meaning to me Mm -hmm. just for memory and the passage of time. Because I I mean, I have some flowers from my great grandmother Hmm. in my garden, Yeah, which is so special because she planted them and long after she's dead, they're still bringing beauty to the world. 
daffodils are the same. I mean, like I said, Macklin's great-grandmother planted these daffodils on our property. So your garden is combining history from both sides of the family. Yeah. You've got Penley flowers and Williamson flowers yeah. in the same space. Mm-hmm. That's pretty cool. It is cool. Wow. I have flowers from my great-grandmother. I have flowers from my grandmother, from my mom, from my aunt. Um, I'm going to have some flowers from Macklin's mom. I've got some from his great-grandma. And then I've got tomatoes from mm-hmm. Macklin's grandfather, Yeah, which is a cool story. But we can get to that when we talk about vegetables. But anyways. Didn't it come from like another country or something? Belgium. Belgian. Belgium. Okay. <laughs> Belgium, not Belgian. Belgian is the adjective. Belgian tomatoes. Belgian, <laughs> Belgian tomatoes, right? I don't Belgium. know. They're your Belgium. tomatoes, you tell me. <laughs> Belgium, the country. They're from Belgium. Okay. Right? I don't know. Isn't Belgium a country? I think so. Yeah, it's, yeah it is okay, a country. Okay, that's what I'm asking. I don't know and if you're like, were, I don't know. I don't know if I'm they're like, from Belgium, Belgium or not. Oh, I was asking you if Might Belgium be from Madagascar. was the country. I don't know. Because <laughs> ah, I always get Belgium and Belgian mixed up. I want to say Belgian is the country, like but Belgium Bel- Like is Belgian the waffles? Yeah. Okay. They're Belgian tomatoes from Belgium. Okay. Got right? it. Does that Got make it. sense? That makes sense. Okay. Oh. Whew. And they Goodness. are tomatoes? They are tomatoes. <laughs> ah. Are they cherry tomatoes? No. Okay. They're, they're the huge, ugly tomatoes. But they're from Belgium. They're from Belgium. Belgium. What side of the family is that from? Macklin's. Uh, it's Macklin's mom's father. Okay. So the vegetables are are connected with family history also. Mm-hmm. That's okay. the only one I have, though, yeah. that has family ties. That's really cool because um, my dad and I have been working on a lot of family history stuff yeah. just over time. Um, but the only, the only really records of the family history are written things that we can compile and pass down. Right. You're kind of able to... to collect and pass down family history through plants, which is really yeah, cool. That's true. That's really interesting. Um, and there's, there's a, there's story involved mm-hmm. with this and it's something that little Julian and, and other kids will be able to participate in and stuff. So yeah, that's fun. I hope one day my goal is to ha- plant flowers on the farm that will come back every year f- long after I'm gone. And then like how I can say, Macklin's great-grandmother planted yeah. these. Someone will yeah. say, my great-grandmother Reagan planted these in 2000, the 2020s. Mm-hmm. And they'd be like, isn't that amazing? Yeah. How and did I'll, they transport the flowers? Who? What from you your, you said great-grandmother? Oh, yeah. Is it via seed or via nope. uprooting the plant? and You just, uproot the plant. Okay. I it's have, dangerous. It, it is dangerous. Yeah. It was kind of scary. I have my great-grandmother's peonies. I always say peony. Okay. I'm from the South, but I think you're supposed to say peony. Okay. I have her peonies, <laughs> um, and they were from my grandmother's garden, but they were my great-grandmother's. But, yeah, my mom dug them up and kind of just kept them in a soil ball okay. and kind of kept them a little damp so they wouldn't die and dry out and then planted them here and I don't think we planted them at the right time of year so they didn't bloom but mm-hmm. hopefully they didn't die and they'll you think they'll bloom next back. year if they didn't die huh. 
They they looked like they might have gotten some kind of disease. Okay. I sure hope not. Yeah. Um. But idealistically, they they're will still bloom. green. Well, they're dead now. Oh, okay. Quote, quote, oh, unquote, oh, dead for the okay. winter. For the winter, they've died back for the winter, but. So wait till we'll spring see. to find out. Yeah. So, but yeah, a plant like that, you'd have to uproot. But plants like roses, I don't know if you, well, could do it when they get to a certain size. That would be harder. But the the company that I order my roses from, David Austin, they send you, it's either potted already or they send you bare root roses. And they have them growing for years and years and years. And then they cut them back to like where they're maybe a foot tall and and then they just kind of send you the roots and the long stems the hardy Hmm. stems then you plant them and then they just grow like a weed i have another something that just came to mind another example of plants telling stories Mm -hmm. when macklin and i went to ethiopia Uh have you heard this story i don't know the roses we stopped not. in um, in Amsterdam, um, the little town right outside Amsterdam uh, called Harlem. Okay. And that was where we sort of walked around and spent our layover. Um, it was a long layover. And um, there were some roses. There was a rose shop. And uh, Patrick, um, who has been on this podcast a couple times, mm-hmm. he uh, pointed out, that those roses came from Ethiopia. And uh, I didn't know how he knew that. Um, and then when we were in Ethiopia, driving from one town to another, um, we passed by this really big greenhouse. And he said, that's where those oh, roses came from. Oh, wow. And the, the way that he knew was um, it was either the shape of them or the color combination. Okay. There was something about them that was distinctive to that place. Yeah. Um, and so... If if you know the plants well enough, yeah. you can tell the story of where they've come from yeah. just based on how they look. That's cool. And that's something I know nothing about because I don't know roses or, or flowers or anything, but he knew. Wow. And he, he knew as soon as he saw them that they were from Ethiopia. That's really cool. I've not looked at any other type of roses. The only roses I've ever really looked into are English roses, which is the David Austin roses that I get. Okay. So... Ethiopian roses may look totally different. They may they may look so different that yeah. you're like, those are Ethiopian. Well, this was an American. But I don't know in Holland. Yeah, talking about Ethiopian roses. That's cool. Yeah, and no, it was and then it was cool to actually pass by the place. Yeah, and see where make they the come connection. From. Yeah. Um, okay, so that's flowers. Mm-hmm. Um, what about vegetables? Vegetables. So I think I was beginning to say this earlier, but we got sidetracked. Especially in this day and age when everything is so available to you and you don't have to work for anything or see where anything comes from. It's, I think about this so often. God made the earth and everything on earth to help you live so like Mm -hmm. trees multiple uses you can have firewood you can build a log house you can sit under it and have some shade you know 
their homes for animals. So God gives you a tree. There's two things, warmth and heat in the winter and a house. And then you can also put it in your stove to help you cook things. And then God gives you the ability to grow your own food in your backyard. He gives you the ability to have, you know, water from a spring that comes out of the ground, completely pure. Um, just stuff like that. Mm-hmm. That's so amazing. So vegetables remind me of how God provides for us. Especially, like I said, in this day and age when God is the grocery store, kind of. The grocery store gives you your provision. So me growing... That's good. I've never heard it put like that before. Well, I just got really nervous to say it because I was hoping I was saying it right. But I think that I think I'm saying it right. But like, well, you you meaning that's we the gratefulness is taken out, right? We don't we don't realize we've lost our connection with yeah with, where these vegetables really are yeah, coming from. Yeah. God really provided you these vegetables. We forget to be thankful to God for these things. Yeah, is what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. because you just get them from the grocery store. Where'd you get these vegetables? Oh, the grocery store. Yeah, you don't say where'd you get these vegetables, God. You don't think to say that when you get them to the yeah. from the grocery store. I mean, I'm I know there are some people that do, but the majority of people for, can forget that easier. So, anyways, growing vegetables reminds me of God's provision mm-hmm. and reminds me to be thankful for the food that I do get from the grocery store because yeah. I'm remembering constantly these were grown in the ground somewhere, or God provided me this chicken somewhere. He provided, you know, these eggs. I can have eggs every morning. So now at this point, you've got a smallish garden. Yeah. How much small. provision are you actually getting from your garden? Not is much. Is this just like this just kind of helps you have a spirit of thankfulness or is it actually like providing food for your table? Um hopefully one day it will provide food for my table. Uh-huh. It is nowhere near big enough to do it right now. But so right now it's just serving serving the function of keeping me thankful and also just keeping me, bringing me joy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, adding peppers to omelets and adding peppers to Connor Johnson's omelets. (laughs) Makes him grateful. It does. (laughs) It makes all people grateful. But my garden this year, since it was my first garden was strictly experimental. Mm. I did not expect to get any kind of bounty from it. Did you start with vegetables or flowers? I started with vegetables. They might have actually kind of started at the same time. Okay. Um, well, actually, I think they started when we lived in our first house while we were still going to Union on Westwood. Mm-hmm. Because there were these cute little purple flowers that would bloom in the backyard, and I had no clue what they were, but now I know that they're called flocks for those flower people who might be listening. They're called flocks? Flocks. Okay. P-H-L-O-X. Okay. And there's a million different varieties, but they smell like heaven and they're so tiny. So anyways, I dug some of those up and have some of those at my house now as a memory of where our first house was. Okay. Yeah. So. Storytelling. Yep. It's telling a story of where we, where I've come from. So, um, I think that's kind of when I got into flowers and then my mom since that was also kind of our first house, my mom brought over a hydrangea to mm. 
growing a um, a pot to make our front porch pretty and stuff like that. So that's kind of when I started getting interested in it was when I was having my own place hmm. to do stuff like this. After seeing my mom do it, I was like, oh, I get to do it now. Yeah. I get to have a front porch with the flowers and the, yeah. you know, landscaping and. Yeah. At anyways. some point, at some point, this stuff transitions from seeing people that you admire putting it into practice and then the ball is suddenly in your court. Yeah. And like, what are you going to do with it? Yeah. And so for me, that that has been hospitality. Okay. Um, How? Well, I mean, growing up, I always loved it when we had people over. Okay. And yeah. people that I admired when I was little were people who had the gift of hospitality, were just really good at it. And so now I'm I'm trying to learn how to cultivate mm. that in myself. Yeah. Right. So now the ball's in my court. Yeah. Because now Angela <laughs> and I are our own unit, our mm-hmm. own family unit. And so we're not depending on someone else's hospitality anymore. It's right. a, the ball's in our court. Right. So yeah. Um, that's, that's been one example. And even though you've seen that growing up, it's a huge learning curve. Yeah. Would you agree? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Which is kind of baffling. Yeah. Like, I've seen this all my life. Right. Why can't I do it? You have to actually I'm practice. I'm not doing it right. Yeah. 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 And you have to mess up a couple times. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I definitely thought since my family had a green thumb, my mom gave me that hydrangea plant that I just mentioned. Mm-hmm. I killed it. Okay. Completely dead. Okay. And I was shocked. I was like, I didn't think I was going to kill a plant because mm. my, my family are not plant killers. Yeah. But I had to learn. It did not just come naturally. I had to learn that you had to water it very often. Very often. Because it was in a pot, not in the ground. Which makes a difference. Am I close enough to yeah. my mic? Yeah. Okay. I mean, you can get closer if you want. Okay. It's fine. I have had some people who have been, been like this. Really far away. Yeah. Um <laughs> When I had a conversation here in this studio with um, Steve Troxell, yeah, he talked about learning to run mm-hmm. because he didn't grow up doing a lot of running. Okay, um, which is kind of counterintuitive because he's amazing at it now. Yeah, later in life, right? Um, and one of the coolest parts of talking with him was hearing about how he completely wiped out on his first marathon and it was just a complete like it would have been so easy after that first marathon to just say forget it right this is stupid Mm -hmm. um but he didn't and uh Yeah. yeah it was it was it was pretty cool and now here he is this year having run oh let me get this right 220 miles Gosh, in 48 hours. Oh, my word. Yeah. So that's for anyone listening, insane. I would go back and listen to that one because it's inspiring. Um, but anyway, wow. that's, yeah. The little failures are just part of it. Yeah. Um, I don't remember where we were going. but I don't either. We started um, talking about vegetables. You were talking about first getting started. Yeah. Have you had in your mind sort of an end result? Like, are you dreaming about a really big garden or are you just enjoying the process now and not really thinking about it? 
the process now is because I'm dreaming about the huge garden. Okay. All right. Yeah. <laughs> I want to be, I want to have such a big garden and I want to be the canning queen. Yeah. I want to have my own canned vegetables and fruit throughout the winter and. See, some people would be like overwhelmed that. by that. Sure. Like it would be hard to start because it never measures up to that. Yeah. Until like 10 years down the road. Right. But for you, that's inspiring. Yes. But I was also there. Okay. I, there okay. was a point where I was like, I, it, it was like, so, such a huge undertaking. Yeah. Of where I wanted to be. And I knew absolutely nothing. I was like, I have no clue where to begin. So I'm just not going to. That was the temptation. Yeah. That was a huge temptation. And I had to talk to Macklin a lot and tell him to encourage me to do it and that it was okay to fail. It was okay that this first year is not going to be your dream garden, mm-hmm. stuff like that. <clears throat> so I definitely was there. It was, it was, and sometimes still is, a little overwhelming. What to think pushed about. you past that? Knowing where I wanted to be and that I couldn't be there until I started. Okay. So you just made peace with it. Yeah. Okay. I think so. I think I have a huge fear of failure, as I'm sure a lot of people do. Um, Yeah, I think that's probably pretty common. I just told myself, I gave myself kind of a, not a motto, but like, I told my self what I wanted my garden to be this year. Mm -hmm. And it was not huge. So I told myself, this is what I did. I told myself what a successful garden would be. Okay. And my successful garden this year, being a first time ever gardener, was that I learned something. That was all. Okay. Okay. So was I successful? Yes. Yes. So in a way, I kind of like avoided the failure feeling. By kind of flipping it on its wow. end okay. and saying, okay. okay, how can I make this a success this year? And so in doing that, I don't feel like I failed. I did not get hardly any crops this year. I mean, I got some carrots and some potatoes, not a lot. I got a pepper. I actually think that was the only pepper I got. No, maybe I got another one. Two peppers. And then, and a couple tomatoes. That was really all. I'm trying to even think if I got anything else. I don't think so I So what did. was your goal for success radishes. this year? My goal was to learn something. And that was for your first year of gardening. My first year of gardening, to learn something. And oh my gosh, I learned so much. I did, oh, I did have a small garden last year that completely flopped. And I think that also made me even more nervous about this year. Yeah. Because I was trying to have a fall garden last year. Yeah, so if you scale up, then that's a, a bigger flop. Yeah. So I so my very first year, I guess, if you, two years ago, when I tried or I tried growing Pawpaw's tomatoes. Here's where I can tell this to paint tomato story. Okay, all right. Because it fits in here. So Macklin's grandfather got these tomato seeds from. A cousin of his or an uncle, a brother, some relative who was over in Belgium. (laughs) 
I'm probably going to totally botch the details. Okay. Maybe during World War II okay. or something, he was deployed over there. Something. Anyways. Okay. okay. Brought him back to Macklin's grandfather, Paul okay. Paul. That's what I'm going to call him from now on. Okay. Macklin's him, grandfather. Yeah, Macklin's grandfather, Paul Paul. Brought him back to Paul Paul. He loved him. He's a huge gardener. He had like, oh my gosh, such okay. a big garden he couldn't even handle it at the end. Um, <clears throat> so he has been growing these tomatoes for years and years and years and years. And they have been his best tomatoes, his favorite tomatoes, everybody's favorites. And he would plant them separately from any other tomatoes so they wouldn't cross-pollinate mm. and make a new tomato. Mm. So these tomatoes are still the exact same seeds from Belgium. Wow. And he was just kind of known for growing these tomatoes. So uh, two or three years ago, me and Macklin get a couple tomatoes from his garden to eat. I just happened to have the foresight to save some of those seeds. Well, turns out that was the last year he grew them. And I had no clue. He got too sick the next year to really do it. And then earlier this year, he passed away. So two years ago, two summers ago, I was like, I am the only one who has these magic tomato seeds. No one else got any seeds? No one did. I think the only other like cousin or brother who had them also is not growing them anymore hmm. and does not have them. So a lot of pressure was on me. I was like, <laughs> oh my gosh, <laughs> I have to keep these tomatoes going just to, one, honor Mr. TC, mm-hmm. to give Sheila, Macklin's mom, some of her dad's tomatoes, even though he's gone, to continue to give her some of his tomatoes. And also because I like to keep things going, you know, plants equals memory. So I just wanted to keep them going so bad. So anyways, I plant these tomatoes in the ground. They start to grow. And I am just praising the Lord. Thank you so much for letting them grow. And I would pray over them all the time. Lord, please help me grow these tomatoes. I do not want to mess this up. So I'm putting cow manure on them, like a good compost. I'm trying to like feed them every nutrient I can think. Well, turns out too much cow manure gives them too much nitrogen because that's just the nutrient they get from cow manure. And if certain plants have too much nitrogen, including tomatoes, they just go leafy and they don't produce any fruit. The nitrogen makes them focus on beautiful big leaves. Okay. So all of their energy went towards their leaves. And little me, knowing nothing, I keep putting manure on them, and I'm like, they are not producing. So the more they didn't produce, produce, the more manure I put on, which is actually the opposite thing. So I never got a tomato from those plants. Okay. And I was so sad. Well, did, I didn't, Did you think that they were dying? No, I didn't know. I thought okay. maybe the spot that, they, that I planted them was not good. Obviously, I thought they weren't having enough nutrients, so I kept putting compost and cow manure on them, but that was the problem. Anyways, <clears throat> luckily, I didn't put all my eggs in one basket, and I didn't plant every single seed I had. Okay. So I saved some just in case all of these failed. Does that make sense? Yeah. Tomatoes only, it's a, it's a once a year. Yes. Um, they don't come back in future years. 
No. You only have one shot right. each time. Unless you okay. save the seeds. Yeah. So um, So you couldn't have just waited for next year. Right. Yeah. So I still saved some seeds. I had some. So that's when that comes brings us up to this year. And yeah. I was like, this is my year. It's got to be my year. I'm running out of seeds. I've got to just get one tomato so I can save the seeds again. And then the next year I'll have more to work with and I can play with them and get better. So this year I got a fruit and I saved those seeds faster than you can say <laughs> tomato. <laughs> so that was a success. So there's so, a good ending to the story. Yes. That's so I good. still have seeds. Um, anyways, what were we saying? I don't know, Where but that's that a great going? story. Yeah. That's a really good story. Oh, so, so my garden, I, I was taught, we were talking about learning that that was the success is if I learned something from my garden. Yeah. So you, th- I think this is probably going to be really helpful for people, not just for gardening, but with things that they want to get into. So what yeah. you did was you, instead of getting overwhelmed by the big picture, you gave yourself a small goal. Attainable goal. And not only attainable, but with a specific amount of time. So like this yeah. year, yeah. you didn't say, well, I want to learn something at some point. Right. You were like, True. for this time period, yeah. I'm going to reach this marker. Yeah. It's like, it's like training for a marathon. Yeah. And then You've got a time. That you next, to, you know, in the yeah. case of marathon training next week, I'm going to add so many more miles yeah. and then slowly build up. And then next thing you know, you're running 220 miles in 48 yeah, hours. Geez. Yeah. Geez. Um, but in your case, it's a small, attainable goal that keeps you optimistic about the whole thing. Yeah. That's really helpful. That's good. Um, okay. So then what will be your goal for next year? Um, I haven't quite thought hard about it, but it's kind of just to take what I've learned this year and apply it to next year's garden and make it a little better. Okay. So kind of just use what I've learned. And apply it. That's kind of my, my next year's goal. Hopefully this won't be too much of a sidetrack. You have a notebook. I've seen you write a bunch of stuff in them. Yeah. What What is the notebook for? It's my garden. My flower and vegetable garden notebook. Okay. It's where I keep... My mom does this. This is how I learned. Okay. You just keep very detailed records of everything you're doing. Because you will forget. when, you, when Like you, how many seeds you planted? Well... You can go that detailed. I didn't go that detailed. Okay. But I, you know, I date, I I do an entry when I planted tomatoes. And then I do an entry when I planted carrots. Um, Do an entry when I harvested them. So I can see, okay, I planted them at this date. I could harvest them at this date. How much time was in between there? And then I've also got a page that has the weekly temperature averages for the whole year. So every week I take a screenshot of what the temperature is and I average it and then I write it down. And then I also make little notes like this spring, it rained so much. So I made a note this spring, it rained so much that maybe something might not have grown because of that. Or like towards the end of this summer, it didn't rain at all. So that's a note. Didn't rain much. So maybe that's why my blueberries are are not going to produce next year. Hmm. Keep stuff like that in mind. And you wouldn't have remembered those things otherwise. Yeah. Okay. And then you can also look years back Yeah, and see what you did, what was successful, what was unsuccessful. It's kind of just a tool to help you remember what you're learning. 
It's a journal, but it's specific to this one thing. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. Temperature averages what I'm planting. My garden plan. So, like, I draw a picture and I label where I planted everything. Uh Uh-huh. And then that also helps me know next summer I'll need to rotate my garden. Mm. I can't. I shouldn't plant the same thing where I planted it last year because all of those nutrients are probably gone. So I can look back, see what was planted where, what year it was planted there. I can also plan future gardens. I would imagine that would also help keep things not just all in your head. Yeah. Because it would be overwhelming. Sure. Like, not. I mean, yeah, you might forget a few details, but also the details that you do remember, that's a lot to remember. Yes. And so there's more space in your head now to just enjoy the process. Yeah. Kind of offload. Yeah. So it's a win-win on both sides, really. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Huh. So. How much does does a garden your size cost? It can cost little to nothing. Because I think that's probably a hurdle for some people. Sure. Some people think like, oh, I would love to have a garden, but I don't want to... They would either say, I don't have the time, or they would yeah. say, I don't have the money. Yeah. I can understand the time. Okay. Gardening can take a lot of time. Okay. Especially if you do it in a way that requires little to no money, because you'll, then you'll have to maintain it even more. So what I mean is, okay, going back to how I said God provided everything for you to survive, mm-hmm. you do not have to buy anything for a garden, okay. except your seeds, I guess. But then, even then, you can get seeds from someone else, and that can be free. But let's say you buy your seeds. That can be the only cost. It's just seeds. Um <clears throat> What would that be? How much would that cost? A seed packet from Lowe's can cost a dollar, maybe under a dollar. Is this for flowers or vegetables or either? Okay, all right. But so you could have a tomato plant for a couple bucks. Yeah, depending on what type of seed. Yeah. Um, you buy the more, you know, highfalutin ones. Like there's a company called Gurney's. They sell a lot of really good stuff their seeds are probably going to be more expensive. What would really expensive tomatoes be? What? Mm, a few dollars. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but as far as seeds go, yeah, yeah. That's that's more expensive than just picking them up at Lowe's. Yeah. So, um, it's not like 50 though. No. So, no, no, no. Okay. But it can add up See, quick. See, people don't know. I don't, yeah. Yeah. I'd, that's but that's the thing. It can add up really quick depending on how much you want to plant. Hmm. Um, okay. But anyways, also, I guess if you had absolutely nothing for gardening, so like no shovels, no, no hand tools, no gloves, I mean, I guess you, you, you would have to buy those, but I'm kind of just assuming people have a shovel. I guess most people have a shovel. So. Yeah, I'm not really sure why. But almost everybody almost has a everybody shovel. Almost everybody has a shovel, right? Or you, your friend has a shovel. You can borrow yeah. a shovel. <laughs> Somebody's Somebody got a shovel. somewhere on <laughs> this planet has a shovel. <laughs> yes. So, but like this year, I didn't have money for gardening stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I did. I put money aside, but I bought stuff like a wheelbarrow. Mm-hmm. But that still isn't necessary to have a garden. And That would be one of the examples of spending a little bit more money yeah. to get more efficient. 
Yeah. That okay. Yeah. Um, another thing is when people say, "I want raised beds," you think of boxes, like wooden boxes that have soil in them. Uh huh. That's a raised bed. Do, can you picture yeah, it? Yeah. Raised bed gardening is really popular right now. It, it kind of makes things just a little bit easier. But instead of like planting in rows, just straighten the ground. For just weeding purposes? Like why is it easier? Weeding, can it can help. It can give you like walkways. You don't have to. It can kind of contain where you want to plant just your carrots. So you know your carrots are in this one little square. Yeah. It's not in a I row. I guess the soil would be deeper too. Soil Soil's deeper. It's probably less compacted, so uh-huh. the roots will have a better chance of growing really deep. But I didn't have the money or the time to do those kinds of raised beds. Mm-hmm. So I have this book that I really like called The Vegetable Gardener's Bible, I think is actually what it's called. But you can do raised beds without the wood structures. I, I went out in my garden... I did buy a tiller, but okay. even then, you don't have to buy a tiller. It just kind of makes things easier. But I tilled up the ground, and then each little bed where I wanted, I I kind of dug it out a little bit. This will probably this is probably hard to explain without a picture. I I eventually ended up mounding the soil, so it was like this this just little mound, mm-hmm. and that was all. That was my raised bed. And it that was worked. a bed that was raised, and okay. it worked beautifully. Huh. I didn't need the expensive wood structures, and I didn't need, you know, the mulched walkways. You can do it for as cheap as you want to do it. It's possible. But then you can also do it for as expensive as you want to do it. Mm-hmm. So this year, I'm saving some money, and I'm going to save some of my Christmas money. Lord willing, I get some. And I'm going to have the wooden raised beds okay. and hopefully I'm going to be able to mulch my walkways um, to help me with weeding stuff like that but I didn't even have that the first year Okay, so it can be as expensive as you want to make it and a lot of time on the front end yeah just to prepare yes okay but I don't have to prepare those beds ever again yeah they're prepared unless I want to work some compost into it but even then they they are done for years to come. It's one one and done. This is this is the sort of thing that a lot of people when they hear stories about this they're like, "Oh, that's so cool. Like, I wish I had a garden, but they just have never tried." You can have a garden if you want a garden. <laughs> okay, so top tips to help people get started with their first I guess plants, their first thing. Like, I just have my little mint plant that I'm just trying to keep alive. That's, and that's a great start. That's my step one. That's a great like start. Like, if I can remember to water that every yeah. day, I'm very happy about that. That's it's a, a very low start. bar for success. Yes. Well, like I said, I kind of started with my one hydrangea plant that I killed. Okay. That was where I started. Um, I say start small. Don't bite off more than you can chew. Because then you will get overwhelmed and burned out. And you'll feel like a complete failure when things don't go hmm. how you wanted them to go. And then you'll never want to do it again. Would so, you recommend flowers or vegetables for your first plant? It's kind of preference. 
Um, I mean, depending on your resources, like some people live in apartments and all they can do is container gardening. Yeah. Um, Those little pots and stuff. Like pots. I'm terrible at containers or pots. Okay. It's a lot harder for me to keep things alive. I don't know why. Huh. I just am not very good at it. So for me, planting things in the ground is the best bet. Um, yeah, I guess my best advice is start small, start with what you have. So like if you have an apartment, that's all you got. Your only option is a container, mm-hmm. but start with a couple, hmm. a couple tomato plants are good in containers. Um, flowers, most flowers do great in containers, hydrangeas, um, even tulips can be in containers. Uh, yeah, just kind of, I would say, figure out what you want to do. Figure out flowers or vegetables. And then do a little bit of research at the forefront. Mm-hmm. So what vegetables can grow in containers? Yeah. What flowers? And then maybe even research the easiest vegetables or flowers. Mm-hmm. How to keep them alive. And then start there. That's what I would say. And also probably, I mean... I'm not a gardener, so this this yeah. is secondhand, but I the only thing I would probably add is like find what you think is enjoyable. Yeah. Like don't don't try to garden someone else's idea oh, of yeah. a pretty flower. For sure. Like for you, you love these daffodils. Yes. And it's very easy for you to love them. Yes. I wouldn't care as much. And so right. if I pressured myself to take care of daffodils, I wouldn't be as interested. Right. Um but if I see a flower and I'm like, oh, wow, that's a really pretty flower. It'd be nice to have one of those in my house. Mm-hmm. Try to figure out what kind it is. Yeah. And just kind advice. of follow your own, your own idea of what's beautiful. Yeah. And let that sort of guide you along. And I'm getting this from Lee Benson and my conversation with him. Okay. Because when I was asking him about ceramics, he said, um, he said, just find what is beautiful and try to just add that to your life and just surround yourself with whatever you think are beautiful things. Yeah. Um, Cause I love that metal mug that Macklin gave me. Yeah. And that kind of breaks all the rules of what makes a good mug, but I love it. Right. And I think it's a really enjoyable mug. Sure. So I'm sure there are flower equivalents to absolutely a metal tin coffee mug. Absolutely. So that's hard for me to do is to do something because I like it. Because I'm tempted to see what my mom plants uh, and think I should do what she's doing. Yeah. But sometimes, and I was good. Recently, I did this. She she planted some crepe myrtles in her front landscaping. They're kind of like flowering trees. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were talking about my landscaping. And she said, what about crepe myrtles? And I actually really don't like them. Because they're kind of invasive, they like <laughs> they they kind of grow up these little shoots, and you got to yeah. trim them and kind of watch over them. They're kind of they can be a lot of maintenance sometimes. Okay. And I was like, this was like the the war in my mind. My mom really likes crepe myrtles. Should I like crepe myrtles? Wow. Okay. But then I was like, no, I don't like crepe myrtles. And so then I said it. I was like. I actually hate crepe myrtles. <laughs> and she was like, okay. And that was simple. I mean, she wasn't See, if like you had expecting made yourself me to like plant them. them. 
that would have been miserable. Every yeah. time you had gone out there, I would have been like, you would why did I plant yeah, this? Yeah, it would have been I just a like chore. Them. Yeah. You've never cried over a crepe myrtle. No. <laughs> I have not. I've not been driving down the road. I've been like, oh, those crepe myrtles. Yeah. Just take me to heaven. <laughs> no. So, yeah, that's great advice. Plant. Well, again, that's secondhand. I mean, this is t- this is from someone who can barely keep his little yeah. mint plant alive. But well, you're doing it, though. It's... I enjoy it though, you know, I like it and I've put it in my little office space and it has added a small extra level of enjoyment. Every time I, you know, sit down at my desk, I'm always glad it's there. So, yeah. Also, I would say don't garden if you don't want to garden or don't have plants if you don't want to have plants because everything on Pinterest and in magazines is like, you know, plants in containers, how to container garden, how to have vegetables on a small plot of land. And it's kind of like, well, should I have vegetables on a small plot of land if I have land? Should I have flowers on my front porch? If you don't want to, and if they wouldn't bring you joy, and if it would be more of a pain, don't do it if you don't like it. That's good. And it's kind of, that's kind of obvious advice. But sometimes you need to be reassured that that's okay. No, that's really good. You know? Because we pressure ourselves. Yeah. And and what you see in media, what you see a lot of people doing, you're thinking, well, I guess I got to do it too. I should like this kind of music. Right. Because everybody else does. Yeah. I should like gardening or I should like plants. Maybe I should have house plants. House plants are really big. It's like the house plant garden. Yeah. But you're not as much of a house plant person. No. Do it. Do what. You like. It's okay if you don't want to garden. It's yeah. okay if you don't want to have anything plant-related. Mm-hmm. If you kill all the plants you touch, that's fine. Yeah. There are some things I'm sure that you do that I would absolutely fail at. We're all good at different things, so don't try to be good at something that you just don't like. Well, if Angela were here right now, she would say, and she did say on the conversation that I had with her, she would say... Enjoy it as a receiver. Like there are uh, givers and yeah. there are receivers. Okay, that's good. And I mean, with her, it's pretty clear cut because cooking, there's a very clear right. relationship there. Right. And so I've, I've asked her, should I, should I get into cooking? Because I'm really inspired by what she's doing. Right. And she's like, no. She's yeah. like, you're, you're, you are doing really good just as a receiver and, being, and learning to appreciate it from that's the outside. Advice. Mm-hmm. And I think that's also why I've been wanting to have people who are into ceramics on this podcast. I have never done anything with ceramics other than yeah. uh, had coffee in a mug. I mean, I've never right. thrown, I've never, I've never uh, done things with a kiln that's mm-hmm. outside my, my expertise. But I love having people like, like Benson and Macklin on um, because it is growing my appreciation for just things in general and art in general sure. just from the outside. Yeah. Um, so anyway, yeah, this has been great. Good. I'm glad. Any other, uh, inspiring things you want to leave people with? Oh, pursue what you naturally love. Yeah. Pursue what you love. Don't feel pressured to do something you don't love. And be sure to cry over flowers. And cry over flowers. If I see you coming over to my house and my daffodils are blooming and you're not crying, I'm kicking you yeah. out. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, I'll be crying over them. So okay. Yeah. I'll be crying for the world. Um, I don't know. 
that's that's good to end on. Do what you love. Yeah. For me, I love gardening. I love flowers. Um, and when you find it, yeah. share it with people. Yeah. Don't keep it for yourself. That's good. Share your peppers. Yeah. <laughs> share your peppers. Whatever peppers may be to you. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever your pepper equivalent is, share them. Yeah, it does make it a lot more rewarding to share stuff. Hmm. When I, when I, I loved giving you that pepper, even though the big motive behind me giving you that pepper was I'm not going to use it and it needs to be eaten. Yeah. I still loved giving it to you because I knew you'd eat it. And I don't remember anything else that happened that day. I don't either. But it was a great omelet. I'm so glad. Yeah. But yeah, it does help to. To share your gifts and, you know, pick flowers for somebody. Mm -hmm. People like getting flowers, usually. Unless you're Phoebe from Friends, who thinks that... Does she not do flowers? I don't remember that. No, because if you you cut them, then they eventually die and she cries. Don't give Phoebe flowers. Okay. (laughs) I feel like everybody has a Phoebe in their life. Yeah, surely. Or maybe you're the Phoebe in someone else's life. I feel like sometimes Angela's the Phoebe, but For only, sure. but only sometimes, not all the time. For sure. Yeah. Reagan, thanks so much. This has been great. You're welcome. This has been a lot of fun. And these simple things that, that add happiness to our lives, it's good for us to take note of them. So I really appreciate it. I was glad to be here. So, all right. Signing out. <laughs>